There it goes, deep into center field, way, way back goes Matty Alou, and that ball is in Astro orbit. And the little dynamo, the toy cannon, now has 76 runs batted into the year. What a shot. Hey there, folks. It's Vic Ragupathy from Toy Cannon Cannon. Just continuing the announcement that we are posting individual canonizations on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and here's the third and final part of episode six. Uh, my co-host Jacob is going to regale us with a tale of a hometown kid who just wanted to help out the ball club and did in a very roundabout way. We'll get on to that, and tomorrow we're going to post the entirety of episode six. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy it. It gets away. Heading home is Amaro. To third is Lofton. They have no play. And now here comes Lofton all the way. And he scores. And the hustling Kenny Lofton all the way from second. Jerry Dibzinski grew up in Cleveland. He was probably dreaming of leading his hometown Cleveland Indians to glory as he played for Collingwood High School just outside Cleveland. He may have been picturing himself taking over at shortstop for his hometown squad, who had just two seasons over 500 in the last 15 years, when he stayed home to play for Cleveland State University. But these sorts of dreams never come true. But things just seem to work out for Jerry. He was drafted in the 15th round by his hometown Cleveland Indians, and after tearing it up in single A, he was promoted immediately to triple A. Just one year later, Dzinski was in the major leagues. Sometimes, dreams do come true. Now, this is the part of the story where I'm supposed to tell you guys Dubzinski played five years for the Indians as a key starter. He led them back to the playoffs in the World Series. He made all-star games. He batted leadoff for the team. And he starred game seven in the closest Cleveland's ever gotten to a World Series since Bob Feller. But these dreams don't come true. After 242 games, 591 plate appearances of a 584 OPS, Jerry had worn out his welcome in Cleveland and was shipped off to the Chicago White Sox for first baseman Pat Tabler. Tabler would go on to start at first base for Cleveland for five seasons, and while not a star, he was a key part of the Cleveland lineup. He was nicknamed Mr. Clutch for his knack of collecting clutch hits with runners on base. His career OPS was 100 points better with runners in scoring position. And this was especially prevalent with his prowess for batting with the bases loaded, where he had a mere 1,200 OPS and 500 average. Tabler even made the All-Star game in 1987. The trade certainly didn't make Cleveland a contender. It was certainly a win. Looking to capitalize on Tabler's All-Star value and his impending free agency, the Indians shipped him off at the 1988 trade deadline to the Kansas City Royals for a more familiar name, Bud Black. Well, he's now known as a manager, Black was also a successful major league pitcher. And by the time he got to Cleveland, he'd already accrued 13 career beat war. But Black was injured and struggling to the tune of a five ERA in the 1988 season. But the next season, Black would bounce back. He pitched 221 innings, recorded a 336 ERA and a 118 ERA plus. And by the 1990 trade deadline, the Toronto Blue Jays figured they could use Black for their pennant run, acquiring him for a package of three players, including one named Alex Sanchez. Sanchez would never play a game in Cleveland. Instead, he was shipped back to the Blue Jays a month later for a player named Willie Blair. And this is just kind of speculation on my part, but I think the Indians wanted Blair all along, but couldn't trade for him at the time because he was injured. So they kind of had this weird gentleman's agreement to take Sanchez, but then trade Sanchez back for Blair if they wanted to. And so they decided to execute on that. 
And Blair was not good in Cleveland and couldn't stay long either. He had like a five-plus ERA as a reliever. But he was traded to the Houston Astros for a center fielder by the name of Kenny Lofton. So you all definitely didn't know Jerry. And you almost certainly didn't know Pat Tabler. And you probably knew Bud Black. But everybody knows Kenny Lofton. This is the Kenny Lofton who led the major leagues in stolen bases five straight years, who made six all-star games. He won three gold gloves. He was worth 48.6 war for the Cleveland Indians and helped lead them back to the World Series. Lofton probably deserves his own canon spotlight altogether. But all good things must come to an end. And eventually, he was traded in 1997 to Atlanta for David Justice. Justice's three-year run in Cleveland was short but effective. In 1997, he had no PS over 1,000 and made the All-Star game. He batted cleanup in Game 7 of the World Series. And after two more three-war seasons in Cleveland, he was shipped off to the Yankees for a starting pitcher and one of baseball's top prospects, Jake Westbrook. Westbrook was solid but unspectacular for Cleveland, anchoring their rotation for much of the 2000s with an ERA of 425 and an ERA plus of 103. Westbrook even made an all-star game in 2004. But once again, it was time to move on. Westbrook was traded to the Cardinals as part of a three-way deal in 2010 that brought Corey Kluber to Cleveland. The rest, as we say, is history. Kluber won two Cy Youngs, led Cleveland back to the World Series, and was now the best pitcher in baseball for a portion of the 2010s. And now, with his off-season trade to Texas, Emmanuel Classe will become the newest member of Major League Baseball's longest trade tree. Since Jerry Dubzinski was a kid, he wanted to contribute to the Cleveland Indians. And he was worth 1.6 war to the ball club, which is more than most fans can say. He had 123 hits, one home run, 14 stolen bases, and 51 RBI. But if you really think about it, from Tabler to Black to Lofton to Justice to Westbrook and to Kluber, Dubzinski's pick in the 15th round of the 1977 MLB draft was worth 119.4 wins above replacement for the Indians. It made 11 All-Star games. It led Cleveland to three World Series. Jerry Dubzinski is a first ballot inner circle Hall of Famer. Dreams, yes dreams, they do come true. Ah, I love it. Did you find that by like researching the longest trade tree or the most extensive so, trade tree? The, the, the question originally I was reminded of was a Sam Miller article about Delman Young, and it basically is the same premise, which is that the Rays drafted Delman Young with the number one overall pick, expecting him to be a franchise-saving star, and he ended up being a complete bust. But the way that they traded him and manipulated all the stuff they got for him, it ended up basically making up the core of the modern Rays team. Right. So like Glass now, Meadows, um, I think uh, – the shortstop. So Archer as well must have come. Yeah. The, the, it's, it, that, those people all eventually came out of Delman Young. And so I was wondering, you know, Delman Young is a 2000s player. How far back can you push this? And so I found an article written by uh, Sam Miller's partner in crime, Ben Lindbergh, which kind of detailed the longest trade tree for every major league team. But he wrote this article in 2014. So there's been some changes to it. Obviously, Kluber's gone now and stuff like that. And some of the teams that had longer ones, it's, that's had those trade trees ended. So as far as I can tell, Cleveland and this crazy series of moves that started with a pretty crappy utility infielder um, and ended up leading to over 100 wins above replacement is, is the longest in baseball active. This is, a, this is a concept that I've never actually really even thought about. Like the idea of 
extrapolating out trades to to like assign value to a particular to a particular pick is is the only thing that can end a trade tree a guy that stays within the same franchise and then retires without being moved anywhere is that like what what ends or they leave in free agency where they just get sent down and never called back up okay so it has to be yeah a lot of teams don't have very long ones right like like the cleveland's goes back to 77 but like a lot of the a lot of them are like mostly into the 90s and it's 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 hard to push it further back than the 90s that's what i was wondering is like how common is this like i I would imagine since you're telling the story that it's that it's not very common um but i i I was just I, i never like have really heard of this and it makes me wonder is this part of a franchise's thinking like it, when you discover, for example, like that Adelman Young is probably not going to pan out the way you think he's going to, is it possible to take such a long view where you say, maybe we can start the process of spinning this guy into something more than he's going to be? Yeah, I mean, it's certainly something you have to keep in mind. And, and Cleveland um, has done that incredibly and well. And they, you know, have done that with more than just this specific trade tree. It just so happened that all of these guys over the course of, you know, four decades were traded for one another. But um, I mean, some of these trades were kind of bad trades and some of them were good trades. It's interesting how, how there's, there's like no real difference. Like the first trade for Tabler was a clear win. They traded a, a utility guy for a guy who was a starter for them for like half a decade. And Bud Black pitched for them really well, but he pitched for a season. And they basically turned Bud Black into nothing. Like they turned him into a bunch of shitty players, but they you know, kind of lucked out into acquiring Kenny Lofton. And then once they had a, you know, perennial all-star borderline hall of fame type like Lofton it was kind of easy to turn it into top players but I don't think anyone would have bet that when they traded Jake Westbrook they were going to get the version of Corey Kluber that we know today I mean Corey Kluber was a late bloomer and and not considered to be super good some other notable trade trees the longest one ever just ended last year or two years ago when did David Wright retire I don't remember but it ended with the end of David Wright Mm. um the Mets had one that went back to 1967, um, and it's a bunch of less. Nolan Ryan players. trade? Oh wait, no, it was later. Never mind. I mean, it's, it's it's got a lot of it's got a lot of players in it who aren't very well known. It does have like Brett Saberhagen in it, but the the move that got them David Wright was the compensatory pick for Mike Hampton. Right. Um, and so. And that's part of and that's part of the uh, the Bobby Bonilla thing because yeah. they needed to restructure Bobby Bonilla's contract so that they could get Mike Hampton. And then when Mike Hampton signed with Colorado? Uh, I think Colorado. They got David Wright with the compensatory pick. Yeah, I mean, the Mets one was 11 trades. The Cleveland one was eight trades. But, like, I mean, it's pretty crazy that they met, you know, any of these people kept going on for so long. Those two are, like, by far the oldest. Then then you start getting into the, um, into like the mid-'80s, like uh, the Padres have one that goes back to the mid eighties, which was, it's kind of cool because they got Adrian Gonzalez and then turned him into Anthony Rizzo and then turned Rizzo into Andrew Kashner and then turned Kashner into a bunch of guys who nobody cares about. For ones that we care about, the Phillies is, is a very short trade tree because uh, they had so much roster turnover when the team got really old and also in the early 2000s. Um, it's just Jimmy Rollins and Zach Eflin. That's as long, far back as you can trace the Phillies. And it seems unlikely that that would be something that continues at this point. I would say Zach Eflin is probably not a candidate to be dealt anytime soon, but who knows? 
so I decided that I was going to do a trade tree for this. And I was pretty sure I was going to do Cleveland's because it was the longest. But the other trade tree that I did give some consideration to is Miami's trade tree. Because Miami's trade tree actually starts before the franchise was a thing, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> but it involves them turning Charles Johnson into Mike Piazza, eventually into Mike Lowell, eventually into Hanley Ramirez, eventually into Nathan Neovaldi, which is cool. The initial part of that was oh, very good. The initial part of that, part of that string, obviously they only had Mike Piazza for like a week, but then... But then you said him to Mike Lowell to Hanley Ramirez. Like, yeah, there's a, there's an intermediate trade between Piazza and Mike Lowell, but it was it was not that important. Um, like but that, I was kind of shouting. Oh, the I hate the Marlins so much. And then the the Brewers the Brewers have a good one in the mid '90s. Um, they traded Mark Loretta and then eventually got Nelson Cruz when Nelson Cruz was like a nobody, and turned Nelson Cruz into Francisco Cordero turned Francisco Cordero into Jake Odorizzi, turned Jake Odorizzi into Zach Grinke. Zach Grinke became Gene Segura. And then Gene Segura became Isan Diaz. And Isan Diaz is one of the components sent to the Marlins in the Christian Yelich deal. Oh. Yelich is, uh, is in the Brewers trade tree. Wow. The other thing I liked a little and bit he's more... He's obviously going to get traded. <laughs> yeah. The other thing I liked a little bit more about Cleveland's too is that it's very linear. And it's a lot of one-for-one deals, mm. so it's so it's very easy. It's, so it's it's it, you can more confidently say uh, that that one pick was worth 120 WAR, because in if, for example, in like the Marlins deal, Charles Johnson was not the main piece in the Mike Piazza trade. Like Charles Johnson is how you get the trade tree, but Gary Sheffield and Bobby Bonilla, and that, that's how they got Mike Piazza. Right. Uh, and, and, I mean, the same goes for the Brewers. Isan Diaz was not the reason the Marlins accepted the Christian Yelich trade. Like, he was a low minor leaguer who was not a highly regarded prospect who was basically a throw-in, but he does make it a, a comprehensive trade, trade. Right, they traded for superstar Lewis Brinson. <laughs> exactly. My boy, Lewis. Jackie Robinson once said, a life does not matter except on the impact it has on other lives. That's kind of the point here is, is I just, you know, and it was also cool to me that he was from Cleveland because, you know, just the idea that you're like, you grow up and all you want to do is play for your hometown team and help your hometown ball club. And you can't do it because you are not that good at baseball, but, but your long lasting effects are resonating to this day. Like there is a, it, like it's, it is the oldest roster spot in baseball in a way. You know, that roster spot that Emmanuel Class A or Lionel Shields, whoever sticks around longer, occupies, is the oldest roster spot in baseball now. And it's had a continuous filler of it for a substantial period of time. Well, Jerry Dibzinski has delivered 120 B-War and three pennants and a number of all-star appearances. And now he finds himself in the toy cannon cannon. Well, I like that class. It's a very diverse class for just very different reasons. I was curious how Dzinski was going to fit in because Jimmy and I were talking and we were like, this guy like never had a, was never good ever. <laughs> it can't be just the player. I, like, I, I was so worried. I didn't want to tip my hand because I was like, this is a fun story, but I didn't want to give any insights. But I also didn't want you guys thinking I was crazy for like, kind of hyping up a story about a guy like you look him up on the internet unless you find this Ben Lindbergh article there is nothing about any of this <laughs> yeah yeah oh, and the, 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 the good thing about the Ben Lindbergh article again is because it was written in 2014 it leads with the Mets so it's all about the Mets and it kind of throws the Indians on as an afterthought 
Thank you all out there for, for joining us. Jimmy, thanks for, for hopping on again. It was a pleasure. Anytime. Anytime.